Our Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 21. Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Well, good morning, church. Can I encourage you, if you don't already have your Bibles open, to grab them and open them to Isaiah chapter 9. That'll be really helpful for us as we look at the Scriptures together. While you're doing that, why don't I pray for us? Almighty God, as we come to your word this morning, please illuminate our understanding through the operation of your Holy Spirit. Please may he show us wonderful truths about the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might behold him rightly, and that seeing him, we would be shaped and changed by him. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are 34 more sleeps until Christmas. I'm starting to get excited. I don't know about you. It's time to get the decks up. Uh, if uh, young people, your parents are sat next to you on the couch, just give them the elbow, give them the nudge. It is the first day in Advent after all. Many of you know that I absolutely love Christmas. And I can't think of any better way to prepare for Christmas this year than to begin a new sermon series looking at the one who sits right at the heart of Christmas, the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to be thinking about the first of four names that Isaiah uses to describe Jesus. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Well, let's just think about those names for a moment in reverse. Counselor. This isn't saying that Jesus is a psychiatrist, but he's one who counsels. It's a reference to wisdom and wonder. Do you want to know what Christmas is all about? It's all about wisdom and it's all about wonder. Well, my first point, Christmas is all about wisdom. Look back with me in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, to that moment that Isaiah points us to. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, here's the key, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Well, how's this going to happen? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, Isaiah is not speaking about any ordinary king. This goes far beyond any one of Israel's historical kings, any human king. This is speaking about the divine king to come. In the ancient days, hyperbole, exaggeration, was often used of royal births, and especially at their coronation ceremonies. Five names were commonly given to a new royal to elevate their godlike status amongst their people. But can we see this in Isaiah 9 is not that. This child has four titles, not five. And Hebrew prophecy is founded on truth and not flattery. There's a clear distinction here. Four titles given that you could only give to God. Jesus, the child born, the son that's been given and placed in that manger then is, yes, obviously human, and yet gloriously at the same time, he is divine. Uniquely, nothing like this has ever been claimed by any other world religion. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? That God descended to become man, that as we look at Jesus, we see God with skin on him. And if that child in the manger really is God, then he himself is the source of all wisdom. 
He comes into a world, verse 1, which is dark, darkness and distress and gloom. Yet, verse 2, he brings a great light, verse 3, and increases joy. Well, how does he do that? Through his perfect rule. The government rests on his shoulders. Christmas is all about wisdom. The story of Christmas is that God in his wisdom entered into a world that does not have the resources to deal with its own problems. So Christmas becomes all fluffy and nice, doesn't it? Uh, it's all about peace and goodwill. It's slippers and log burning on the fire and mince pies and mulled wine. But actually, if we think about it, the message of Christmas is a message of failure. The wisdom of this world has failed. We need God in his wisdom to step in. Well, some of you know that I love to cook and um, I enjoy cooking because it gets me out of the washing up, which is always a bonus in my household. And when dinner's ready, wisely, I send out my word to say dinner's ready. And what I'm really saying to Maya and Tyler and to Mel is this. Let me provide for your needs. Let me feed you. Let me keep you alive. Dinner's ready. They're wise words to go out. And what comes back is a loud silence. It's rather frustrating. So in our kitchen, we've got a bell. So we'll ring the bell to announce that dinner is ready. And what I'm saying again is, let me provide for your needs. Let me feed you. Let me keep you alive. A sign goes out to them. And occasionally, more than I'd like to admit it, I have to raise my voice. Dinner's ready. Come and get it. Don't make me come and get you. Sometimes my word has to become flesh. And I have to go and get them. Bear with the illustration. But the message of Christmas is a bit like that. God has come down himself. His word has become flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. John chapter 1, verse 14. Well, there's plenty of, of advice around today, isn't there? Plenty of wisdom in the world. But the reality is this. The world is so in darkness. The world is so confused that God has to come himself. Nothing but God himself could make the difference and come and save us. And if God had to become human, and if the infinite had to become finite so that he could go through with the cross and suffer immeasurably, then we're in far worse shape than we ever dared to imagine, aren't we? It must mean that nothing less than the death of the Son of God can save us. You see, it's not about us trying harder to pull up our moral socks to stiffen the upper lip and live better. It's about a wisdom that's come from beyond ourselves and it's come near. It's a wisdom beyond any plan that you or I could ever come up with, actually, isn't it? If you wanted three quarters of the world's population to know your name in 2,000 years' time and have one quarter of them center their lives around you personally, then I'm pretty sure that every marketing expert wouldn't advise you to be born in a stable in the middle of nowhere. They wouldn't recommend you being placed in a manger. Humble beginnings, that would be no no to that kind of strategy. They certainly wouldn't promote living outside of the known power structures of the day or getting executed early on in your career. No, that kind of strategy wouldn't bring about any lasting change in the world whatsoever. Do we see? Christmas makes foolish the wisdom of this world. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. You see, the world doesn't believe this Christmas that God became man. And yet 2,000 years ago, that first Christmas, the wisdom on the lips of the angel Gabriel to Mary was this. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. The world says we can sort out our own problems. The Bible says not without Jesus. We can't. Christmas is all about wisdom. And my question for you is, do you know that? Do you know him who came that first Christmas? Do you have his wisdom in your hands and in your hearts? Well, if you don't, our prayer here at St. Jude's is that very soon you will come to know him personally for yourselves. Why not look out for the St. Jude's Alpha course that's going to start in January? Think more about him and his claims for your life. And if you do know him, well, then I want to say that Jesus' wisdom is going to cash out in three practical areas in your life today. Firstly, Jesus' wisdom is going to cash out in how you and I face up to this coronavirus season that we're living through. We're going to have real wisdom in the face of death. We can stare death in the face with deep assurance and confidence and, dare I say it, even joy, knowing that death is not the end. That's the picture from the Lord Jesus, in that through his death there's resurrection, just like ours will be too. Secondly, Jesus' wisdom is going to cash out in how you and I live with ourselves and live with our pasts. We can live at peace in our own hearts about past hurts and failures. And Jesus loves us and offers us a profound sense of self-acceptance today. And thirdly, his wisdom's going to cash out in how we forgive other people, in how we forgive our enemies, even those who've treated us so shamefully. We can forgive the gravest offences that others have committed against us and against our families. Has not Christmas made foolish the wisdom of the world? Isaiah later in his letter in chapter 53 goes on to say of this wonderful counsellor that he carried our sorrows that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, Isaiah isn't talking about any physical healing here. That's far too narrow and small to view it like that. Spiritually, Isaiah is talking about we've been taken out of the darkness, the gloom and the distress. We've been rescued from God's judgment and hell. We've been moved from being enemies of God, hostile to him in our minds, to becoming his friends and adopted into his family. Our wonderful counsellor has done that for us. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. It's by grace. Isn't that wonderful? And if you do know something of the wisdom and counsel of Jesus, well, then how come we don't look more different in the world. Secondly, Christmas is all about wonder. It's about wonder. Well, I have four weeks left here at St. Jude's. This is my penultimate sermon here for you. The clock is ticking. I know that I'm in injury time. Perhaps the big thing that I want you all to take from my ministry here at St. Jude's is I want us to gaze on the Lord Jesus in 
his word. I want you to see just how wonderful King Jesus is. I want you to fall in love with Jesus again and again and again, for he is the ultimate work of art. He's the great son that we need. He's the one who stands over and above the whole Christmas story, and he wants you and I to come so close. He wants us to wonder about him. He wants us to daydream about him. And the kingdom of God makes us wonder, doesn't it? A little like that man in Mark chapter 4, scattering the seed on the ground. He doesn't know how, but all by itself, the seed sprouts and grows and produces a harvest. Do we see? There's much to wonder about of the kingdom of God, no less the king of the kingdom too. And as we wonder about him, that's how you'll handle your past. Uh, when his joy becomes so big for us that we can feel its weightiness on our hearts, well, when that happens, then we'll know how to handle death and our enemies. It can't just be that we believe Jesus is wise. He himself has to become your wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and your Prince of Peace. Christmas, it's all about wonder. We're looking at these four names over the next four weeks. Would you do something with me? Would you set a timer this week for 10 minutes, 10 minutes to meditate on these four names of the Lord Jesus Christ? Mull them over again and again in your minds. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Would you dig down into those titles with me until they become so real to us? that we behold that than which nothing greater can be conceived. There's so much beauty to uncover in these names. And as we do that, let's pray that we would be struck again with the wisdom and wonder of the Lord Jesus this Christmas and bow down to worship him as our king. Well, let's pray. Almighty God, take your truth, plant it deep in our hearts, shape us and fashion us for Jesus' glory. Amen.